Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, call, go to axontire.com. Also, if you'd like to get yourself a super sweet pocket knife, go to marketingaxontire.com and give them all your details and they will send one to you. Just tell them that you heard it on the Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you go to marketingaxontire.com to get that free pocket knife. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs or go to valleytransinc.com. Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean's with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's kind of nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? Pretty good, Casey. Real good. I'm uh... You know, we want to keep this program friendly today. That's all I want to say. Friendly. Yeah, just don't be smacking me. We'll be all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I am losing hair every day. So. You I'm, very, I'm, very, I'm very sensitive about that. Extremely you, sensitive. You and me both. I, I shave my head on, on purpose. It feels like it's not a, it's not a hairstyle. It's more of a, a, a what do you call that? A, a camouflaging effect. So, yeah. <laughs> Works well. Um. Well, we're going to talk about uh, the sudden uh, atmospheric or stratospheric uh, warming events that you've been talking about here. But I think before we get that, let's just touch on this. Right before we got started here, you were mentioning that things are just getting hammered in the marketplace, and you and I did a, a uh, scramble trying to figure out what was going on, but it looks like the markets are getting hammered over some news someplace. I don't know. I, I haven't, you know, haven't found anything yet, but just in the last half hour, you know, wheat's almost got limit down for a bit. Crude got hit out, out of nowhere. The dollar got hit out of nowhere. Some news came out. Don't know what it is, but there's are speaking in Turkey supposedly uh, about everything, and so th- there must have been some communique of some sort that you know maybe they're gonna have a period of uh, of calm or something. I really have no idea other than the markets are getting hit that maybe things are calming down a little bit, and we might find out a little later that. You know, maybe the meeting of the minds are going to are going to try to de-escalate things for a little while. And we've talked about this before. At some point, yeah, you could have some you know hard down reactions in the markets if the market 
sense is that maybe some supplies have been coming out of Ukraine more than they were thinking. So don't know exactly what the news is, but markets are reacting right now. And we'll just have to wait and see whether it's a, a false, uh, you know, a false news story or it's actually true. But um, something got the markets um, stirred up this morning. So we'll have to check that out and see what happens and see how things play out. So let's talk about what's going on here. See, we've talked a lot about this April weather that's coming up. Um, April is uh, officially, what, three days away. Usually we get our worst winter in, in spring uh, here in the Panhandle. So uh, it's a not uncommon to get a late March, mid-April type of, of blizzard comes along. Um, kind of what you've talked about here, Sean, uh, coming into April. really looks like things are, are, are really starting to stage for that, for that event to happen here in April. Well, let's talk about what has happened. We did have a very, very strong sudden stratospheric warming event where the Arctic, the stratosphere air over the Arctic warmed suddenly. In fact, it was it, right up there with one of the top five strongest warmings since 1975. So this was no minor event. Um, then uh, once you get that, you can have two different things can happen. You can have a displacement of the cold air in the stratosphere, or you can have a splitting of the air in the stratosphere. It could go one or two ways. This one's a split where the stratosphere, the polar vortex actually gets split into two separate pieces. The think of cell division, you take a cell and you split it, and now there's two different polar vortices. That has happened. So that's what we're dealing with here. Um, and then now these, these two balls of cold air can go spinning around uh, wildly. The last thing that needs to happen is you need to have that connect with the troposphere. And the way that that happens is that the typical stratospheric jet winds in the stratosphere typically go westerly in the wintertime. Um, and when they flip to easterly, that's showing a weakening of complete weakening of the polar vortex down at the tropospheric level, meaning it's connecting with the air on the ground. That has, in fact, also happened. So what we now have is we now have a polar vortex weather regime. This is Northern Hemisphere. It's not just the U.S. So what we think it means is that we're going to have a, a pretty cold, a lot of cold shots of air that are going to come in to the North American corridor, to the European corridor, Russian corridor over the next 30 days. And we think we're going to have the potential for a lot of uh, significant snowfall in the northern tier of the northern hemisphere um, and considerable rain in that central southern northern hemisphere. And of course, we're, this is when we're supposed to be turning the wheel um, in Europe and Russia and in the U.S. to try to plant crops and harvest, uh, you know, winter wheat at some point and, and to get the post-dormancy of winter wheat coming out in good shape. So all this would suggest unfavorable weather post-dormancy for winter wheat and obviously for trying to get you know cotton crops and corn crops and soybean crops and oats crops and winter wheat and uh, spring wheat crops planted um, at a time of great angst in the market right now and so this has been our forecast for a long long time and um, one way Casey that we try to look at things there's uh, something called the maiden Julian oscillation. You know, we've talked about this before, but it's a it's it's a measure of convection around the the, the, the uh, center of the uh, of the globe. And uh, 
typically, if you go into phases one, two, and three, won't go into exactly what all that means, but just understand if the MGO goes into phases one, two, and three, it tends to mean uh, a greater chance for snowfall in the northern tier belt of the northern hemisphere, especially the northern tier of the grain belt. Um, we went back to 1973 when we had the historic blizzard uh, actually occurred there um, uh, in that first week of April. Um, to this day, has never been broken uh, in terms of number amount of snowfall that occurred in Iowa and Minnesota and, and your area during that period of time. Um, and that, of course, triggered a, a huge rally in grain markets during uh, that spring season. Um, it also went into phase one, two, and three. So we're going to be monitoring MJO. Uh, and, and to see if you know, right now the models are suggesting we could see this. Bottom line is, though, we think once we get this bearish trade that we're trading today, and they may we might trade into the planting intentions report on Thursday, we think there could be an opportunity for livestock producers to lock in some feed ahead of a more chaotic planting season and a potential for a rally back up on weather this time, not geopolitics. So, 1973, that uh, that blizzard. I'm just I've heard people talk about that and there was just tons of snow I mean like feet of snow like National Guard had to come in and like get people out of their house type of type of snow is that you think you kind of feel like something's setting up to be similar to that is that kind of what you're talking about anytime you're trying to predict that kind of weather event I mean no one can say that it's definitely going to happen it's kind of like when we predicted the frost in Brazil, something that hadn't right. happened in 26 years. Right. We can never say it's definitely going to happen. Only way you could do it, trying to look at our natural climate cycles, is what are the probabilities of a, of a crazy weather event happening? We believe with the setup we just described, this polar vortex, sunstruck warming, splitting, connection with the troposphere, and the, and, the, and, the, and the look that we might get a phase one, two, three MJO, the chances of this happening are the highest they can possibly be. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but we have our best chance for this kind of a one in 100 year kind of snow event in April that you're going to get. And so we're just going to try to monitor this MJO and see how, you know, it's not going to happen. This, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen more. I think in Iowa, the, 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 the peak of the storm was April 10th, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and I, so, so the, the event, if it's going to occur, would be more around that time frame. So we're going to be trying to do our best to monitor all these micro variables and, and get a better look at, you know, later this week, what that looks like. But we think the chance that we think that most years, that's not on the table. I mean, it's just not on the table. It's on the table and it's on the table in a way that the best possible chance for it to happen or could, you know, are in place for now for that to happen. And so that's, you know, just be on the lookout for that, that we could get something like that. And if it did occur and we start and we're not able to get corn planted on time and spring wheat planted on time, uh, you know, the market's going to react to weather <laughs> this time, even though right now it might be reacting negatively to geopolitics and it may react negatively to this planning attention report on Thursday, possibly. Ultimately, weather trounces all things. And if we have a delayed planting season, the market will put some weather premium back on. And so we're just, we think we're, we think we're setting up for a potential opportunity for livestock producers to buy feed here, you know, maybe over the next, um, you know, week or so, depending on exactly what the story is today on geopolitics and how exactly the planning intentions report and the Coral Grain Stock Support plays out on Thursday. So. Right on. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about, I want to talk about, you know, 
a few crops, but crazy things are happening that we don't know what's happening, so it's hard to have that discussion. Because um, obviously what's driving the market right now is the uncertainty in the Black Sea region and what we see happening there. Um, that volatility is definitely in place. Things keep moving uh, the way they're going. But um, Think of it this way, Casey. We talked about this, I forget, either your last episode or the one before that. Everyone has an interest in getting the corn. Sure, absolutely. Everyone. The world, the world does, Ukraine does, Russia does, and China does. China signed this trade agreement with Russia, officially signed it the day of the invasion, by the way. Just just as pure a, coincidence, right? Um I mean, you know, just it's just made, you know, who, who would have known? But um, um and, and China needs corn. And if and if and if China has grander intentions of going into we talked about this going into taiwan i think the chinese have to believe that we might restrict corn exports to china which means they really going to want this ukraine corn so if they're going to get this crop planted when would a ceasefire or a some kind of a calming down of tensions need to occur how about right now <laughs> you know i mean i mean it would make sense that this would be the time to like Kick the can down. Let's all be friends for a little while. Get the crop, corn crop planted. Start turning the wheels on a winter wheat crop. And once that's going, oh, you know, we still hate each other. Here we round two of the invasion. I mean, I always feel like that's the setup here, Casey. And I'm no geopolitical grand wizard here at all um, in terms of these things. But it just seems to me logically it would make sense for Russia and China to find a way to get these crops harvested and planted before escalating this to the next level. All right, so I think I just saw what, what's driving this here. Um, sure. So I just got a New York Times uh, article popped up here on my on my phone, and uh, the headline is uh, Russia vows to reduce attacks in northern Ukraine, and basically they're saying a you know having less troop presence in the in the Kiev area. So that could be what's what's drawing that a little bit. Well, we talked about this before that I think. That they're going to do everything they can to keep the ag areas of Ukraine intact and, and then support the ag areas to, to be able to operate um, during this, this period. And maybe this is a sign that they're going to create a bubble in the ag group, in the ag areas to let this happen, because quite frankly, Russia wants it to happen. China wants it to happen. So I really think that the markets have miscalculated um, that fact. I mean, they were trading zero you know, zero in Ukraine. And I don't, China does not want zero out of Ukraine. It's not in China's best interest to have zero in Ukraine. And I cannot imagine that Xi Jinping out of China is talking with Putin and saying, you know, that, you know, we want to obliterate Ukraine and, and, and ruin all that grain production that they desperately need. I just don't think that's the bigger game plan involved with this entire geopolitical escalation. I think they're calculating a lot of things. The calculation now is get the crop harvested. When are we get the crop planted in corn? Um, and um, and oh, by the way, Russia, you know, make sure you keep selling us that stuff that we need. And uh, maybe this is the beginning of the de-escalation before the re-escalation over the summertime. That's just me talking out loud, but it, I just think we're set up for that right now. 
Okay, so here's, here's a, a quick, the quick opening uh, paragraph of this article. So it says, and this is from the New York Times, it says, here's the latest uh, developments from Ukraine. A deputy Russian defense minister said on Tuesday that Russia would sharply reduce military activity near Kiev in the first signs of progress as the diplomats from Ukraine and Russia discuss a possible ceasefire. So that's a big deal. I mean, that's, that's, that's the city that they want to take so bad, and they're going to sharply uh, reduce the uh, military activity in that area. That shows that they are getting close to, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a political, I'm not a military scientist by any means, but it seems like that would be a sign that they're going to start a, a possible withdrawal if, if they're giving up uh, on, on the main city that they went to, uh, went to take anyway. They need to start turning a wheel in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and, they need to, and, and I'm not saying farmers aren't ready. I mean, I, sh- I know, all, you know, some of the Ukraine farmers, some of the best farmers are around, and I'm sure a lot of them have a lot of their inputs and are ready to go, but they do need a safe environment to uh, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. I've already seen some pictures that they're getting ready. So, so I think, you know, the, the game plan is let, let's, let's let the farmers do their job. Um, let's make sure they can do their job. And then once they do their job, then we'll go back to hating each other later. Is, is, and, and I think that's the game right now. I think that's the, the geopolitics is all about chess pieces. What, you know, like Gary Kasparov, the famous grand master chess player, he was thinking 15 moves ahead. And what you thought was a bad move here is why he beat you 15 moves later. I think we, we what we're dealing with now is what they're doing today versus what they're anticipating doing three and six months from now. Right now, the game is de-escalation is what they want to achieve a greater goal later. That's what I'm, that's my suspicion here. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So let's, let's war game this real quick. Um, this blows over. Well, it's a bit this way. It, it blows over to a point that the Ukrainian farmers can go out, they plant the crop, and they they bring in a just a standard yield crop. Right now, obviously, you still got to get it out. There's a lot of port issues um, in Mariupol. There's a lot of port issues in Odessa. Um, I mean, a lot of this grain could go through Bremenhaven um, up in Germany. I mean, those kind. You start start looking at some logistical issues that are start playing into all that. Getting ships in and out of the Black Sea wow, with with the mines and everything that have been placed there, and getting you know insurance carriers to carry that stuff. It's a whole other thing. But let's just hypothetically say everything gets back to normal and get the grain out. What effect is that going to have on the market when you start looking at December corn and those kind of things? Well, I mean, it would be a, a you know if the market believes that it's a true shift, um, you know, then, then then the markets have to take a lot of this geopolitical premium off. You know, now of course, doesn't mean that geopolitical risk is off the table completely, but it means that it's that the that the geopolitical premium should be less than it is. So, what does it mean? Um, you know, it certainly would mean uh, you know lower prices, so long as the U.S. planting season goes well. And so that's my suspicion here. I think we could be looking at maybe a hammer down week this week on de-escalation in Russia and potentially it's my, I don't know what the USA is going to say. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and profess that I'm a, a wizard at picking and determining what the USA is going to say, but I have a sneaky suspicion. We told you as farmers, we're going to run out of everything. We've given them prices that work on the, under any and all circumstances. And the U S farmer that I know and love and, and dearly that I've been working with for 30 years it's going to plant every single acre they can. They're going to not. They're not going to cut corners. They're going to print every. They're going to plant every single corner they can, and 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 they're going to look at Mars for potential increased acreage. Um, and so I think the U.S. game is going to say that, and you know that might make all the balance sheets look a lot more bearish than they 
currently are. And then that sets the stage for sort of an unwinding of some of this hot money that was betting on, you know, $15 wheat, corn and $20 wheat and that sort of thing. Um, but that also offers the opportunity for the livestock producer to potentially get some feed bought at a price that just a week ago he might have not thought was possible because I, we do think we're going to have a very challenging first third of the growing season in the U.S. And I do think that the market will have to very quickly pivot and put weather premium back on. And I want to make sure, and of course, this geopolitical thing, by by no means, even if what was happens happens and they get a ceasefire, and it's not over. We think that this geopolitical situation is a permanent change. It's going to keep coming back. We think there's bigger bigger things ahead that's going to come. It's not going away, but it's temporarily going to deflate. So there'll be an opportunity for livestock producers to do something, dairy producers to do something. We're gearing up to hopefully make a good, strong recommendation to buy cash feed here over the next week, week and a half, if this scenario plays out, like it looks like it may be playing out here with some kind of a hard down phase. We'll have to see. Yep, so. right on. All right, Sean, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about Hackett Financial and what you're doing over there. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of podcasts, white papers, sample reports to give your listeners a really good understanding of what we do to see if we could be of help. Right on. And I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have a YouTube channel called Moving Iron Podcast YouTube YouTube channel. Uh, I also have a LinkedIn page. Uh, Moving Iron Podcast is a LinkedIn page out there. Just check that out. Go to all those places and subscribe and like and do all those fun things. Uh, and uh, you have a good way of getting hold of all the information that comes out there. Go to movingironllc.com so you can get everything Moving Iron related. Also, all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. September 6th, 7th, and 8th, and uh, Sean's going to be there. He's going to be talking about uh, what's going on from a weather perspective and uh, switching from an El Nino to, I'm um, sorry, from a La Nina to El Nino uh, pattern and what that looks like, a little bit different than we had in the last discussion. So that'll be a, that'll be a good conversation for, uh, for Sean to have there, and there'll be a lot of good people there. So if you're a dealer of any kind and you want to enjoy that, uh, be a part of that uh, Moving, Iron po- Moving Iron Summit, make sure you check that out. Uh, go to uh, Moving Iron LLC there. All the information is there for you, hotel registrations and all that kind of stuff. So check that out if you're interested, uh, or send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast com and I can get that back to you. So, also, if you have a question for Sean, Q and A Thursday is coming up. Make sure you send that in, and uh, I will read it on the air. So, with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find.
Moving on.